Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Mmm, pie. And it's hit. Hitted. Hot. Hitted. Hittites. Ah. Hitamanaja. Hello. Hi. How are you? Uh, I guess I'm okay. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Oh, this is weird. Because I was hearing a huge delay yeah. until I hit record, and everything is in perfect sync now. So that's, mm. I was not expecting that. I was expecting to yeah, deal with a delay in my sync. headphones, but now it's there's fine. A, there's an old Steve Taylor song called Am I In Sync? Hmm. So not NSYNC, but in sync. So. Hmm. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of uh, the Pie Factory Podcast. Yeah, episode uh, 119, I do believe. Uh, I do believe you are correct, sir. And, uh, once again, you know me, you love me from the wastelands of, well, I guess I'm technically downstate Illinois because I'm south of the Illinois River. So, uh, yeah, downstate Illinois, this is Jimmy G. And from, um, a little bit more upstate, uh, we're, we're both considered Northern Illinois, let's face it. it it's like every th- downstate Illinois to Chicago is considered Everything west of State Route 47 and south of Interstate 80, for the hmm. most part. Which you're both, I mean, aren't you? Not, well, that's uh, not maybe entirely. Maybe not west of 47. Th- um, or are you? That doesn't really, because there are some suburbs that, of Chicago that are south of 80. Well, if you're not in the Chicago metro, you're downstate for the most part. Yeah, that's so. true. Even if you're in Rockford, which is not south of here. <laughs> it's northwest of there. Yeah. Actually, north, or west-northwest of there. Yeah. So... Rockford's an interesting city. I've only yeah, been through been it. I've never been to it. I haven't been there in a long time. Last yeah. major other city other than Chicago I've been to is the Quad Cities area. Ah. Yeah. Uh, my dad lives in, on the Iowa side of that, uh, of that situation there. And that was the last oh, and I just time. realized my webcam is on. So let's save Ooh, up some bomb chicka, bomb chicka, wah. Mm. You going to start an OnlyFans? How the hell you turn this thing on? Off. Oh. <laughs> Buy it dinner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How do you turn it off? Make it meet me. <laughs> yeah, we're still dabbling with some sound effects. We've tried it before, but I think Sean thinks he's got a new uh, a new way to deal with it. So. Yeah, I just bought a Zoom R24 uh, recording interface slash mixer Zoom. slash... Uh-huh. Lots of things, and I, I have everything wired through there, including this USB microphone that I usually I, I've been using for the past few years. You have the same one, actually. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the sound that everybody's hearing is actually coming from the headphones port of that microphone instead of the USB port, because you know you can't route USB into a mixer. You have to put the actual audio through. Mm-hmm. And then I have my laptop running Soundplant. That lets me do stuff like this. Why not take up a collection and send him to Cleveland? This way, our production gets a little bit done faster, and that saves us a little bit of money in post-production costs. And at the same time, at the same time, and that's the thing. At the same time, it puts Hyde in monetary inconvenience. So So it's like we're it's this is a win-win-win. Yeah, yeah, it is actually, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is still We're not try to try to get hide out of his penthouse. You know. Yeah, he's he's hiding in it, if you will, if you will. 
But where was this penthouse? Isn't it just off of Michigan, like at Michigan Avenue and Wacker Drive? No, 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 no. At least not not in a long time. But I know he used to live like right off Irving Park Road, which is further up north. And he moved to Evanston back in the summer. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he he got a job with the uh, park district up there, which he recently lost. So, yeah. I wonder if we should tell him that the Baha'i Temple is hiring. Ooh, yeah, he could. I think they're looking for some sound uh, soundboard work there. They could. Yeah. So that's a neat piece of architecture. If if if, if anybody mm-hmm. comes to Chicago and wants a, a unique uh, tourist thing to see, the Baha'i Temple in Evanston is worth it. It's a uh, Will Met, actually. Oh, that's right. It is yeah. Will Met, isn't it? Which yeah. is just right north of Evanston. Yeah. yeah and I believe it's other. the only Baha'i Temple in the country. I believe you are right. And a fun fact for you, Rain Wilson used to work there as a security guard. Really? Yep. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, I think his parents were like, they they were somehow involved in that place. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if they were like ministers or what, but they, huh. they had some kind of connection. There's actually a pretty cool looking Hindu temple in Lamont. Really? I did not know that. It's right, right off again, of... Uh, why wouldn't there be a Hindu temple? They're like... There are people practicing Hindu everywhere, so why shouldn't there be? Well, the, the thing that makes it th- this interesting is the architecture is a, is fantastic. It is really truly amazing, and I guess they got a Hindu restaurant in the in the Hindu temple there. But I've, huh. I've been always meaning to to go in there to check it out, but you know, never around there when they're open. Huh. So well, I'm never around there. Period. Because <laughs> there's well, never a day when I think, you know what? We know it sounds like fun. Let's go Lamont. to Lamont. There's actually some history in that area too, with oh uh, yeah, with uh, argon labs and sure. the remains from uh, the world's first controlled nuclear chain reaction are buried ah. nearby on a forest preserve. I've hiked to it several times. If people have checked out any of the videos I put up on YouTube, hmm. um, but so Sean, how so, are you? Um, I'm okay, except my throat's a little bit goopy because I've been uh, uh, drinking some root beer. I have some. Uh, uh, it's brownies caramel cream root beer it tastes just like regular root beer but you know i decided oh this might sound interesting uh, mm-hmm. not it doesn't warrant a drinking arena segment so because it's root beer yeah yeah but it's it's yeah, it's, it's nice it's nice yeah. i got it from the same place where you get the weird stuff from too so i'm just drinking water i do have a bottle of pepto here from when i did the pecky one chip challenge a couple of months ago i think i still actually have the chip coffin sitting here yep it's right there so that was oh god i've never had anything that hot in my life i loved every minute of it that's what she but, said ah <laughs> so um usually i ask you what you've been playing but uh, you oh, know i okay. think i'll start in we'll start um, in uh just the other day i got my um uh, what are they called? The LTO flash cart for the intellivision in and uh, uh one of our listeners uh, hooked me up with uh, a little a little, eh, I don't know if I should say it. I was going to say, one of our listeners hooked me up with some ROMs to play on it. Of course, I didn't say that they were pirated. No, of course and not. I didn't. So, you know, they could, could they might not be. But uh, so I've been uh, putzing around with that. And there's some, there's some really interesting stuff there. There's some really good homebrews. There's um, a Donkey Kong homebrew called D1K, which is basically just arcade Donkey Kong, which is really good. Hmm. Because, I mean, that's a 16-bit system, technically. I can imagine that they could turn yeah. out a really good Donkey Kong. What did I hear? I um, I heard someone say that the television is basically a uh, 
not a vax system, but it's basically it's um hmm. PDP. I, I don't remember. Really? Huh. Basically, I, I, one of those things you normally associate mainframes and mini computers with. Something like that, yeah. But so I've been uh, putzing around with that, playing a few games that I had ne- that, that I'd never played before, and um, so yeah, flashcards I think are going to be the wave of the future for me. Yeah, me too. I'm still waiting on the concerto cart, but I got to find a way to get it shipped here because um, my wife is and mother-in-law are tired of me getting packages. So, uh, Can't you yeah. have them shipped to your place of work? If I was still at my previous employer, that would be one thing. But my current employer, that's a whole nother level of weirdness. Really? Uh, because <laughs> uh, you got to go through security and, and all ah. of that. And, and the stuff that our department uses... We usually don't hear about it for days because it's, it's like a quarter of a mile away in the same building in a in a receiving bin, hmm. and uh, yeah, so that's kind of a whole new that's a whole new uh, ball of wax. But uh, so yeah, I'm looking at that, and I was thinking about getting a flash cart for this Genesis that I have here, but uh, I think I've kind of decided against it because my daughter got an Xbox 360 from her boyfriend. Ah. And, um, cause she gave him a, what was the one, not the newest Xbox, but the, wow. maybe it was an Xbox one for Christmas, a used one. And, um, so he gave her the 360 and it came with a CD full or a CD, a disc full of uh, Genesis games, like 3060 of them. Hmm. And so, yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to do that with this thing, probably not, at least not at this point. Yeah. But, uh, there's, there's a real nice one out there that will play, uh, all the, uh, cd and 32x games on it nice without actually having either you know the 32x or the uh the cd unit so you just d- drop the iso on the flash drive boom good to go hmm. actually i think it's sd i don't think it's flash but so i've been playing that i've been actually also looking into um earlier in the day i was like thinking you know what i don't keep up too much on 7,800 ROMs, but I do, or homebrews, but I do check them out from time to time. And I realized I haven't really been checking out uh, 2,600 homebrews in a while. Last one was that amazing uh, Donkey Kong VCS uh, that uh, Joe Musashi, I believe it was, <clears throat> user on Atari H created. And so I did uh, some looking around, and um, there is an amazing homebrew on the 2,600. It was uh, released. It was well. I don't know if it was released, but it was announced back in August of 2020, called Zevia's Z E V I O U Z, which is well Zevius, but it's a 2600 version that's based on the 7800 code. Huh. It's the there's only one complaint I have about it is that your ship moves a little too fast, but but it's it's freaking amazing. You you really literally do not think you're playing on a 2600. I mean, it is really good. Hmm. Uh, there, I guess one little minor complaint is, uh, you know, Zevius has the uh, the the hidden flags and the citadels. Yeah, that gives away the location of the citadels, though. It shows just a little white pixel dot on the screen to show you where the citadels are. You bomb it to raise it, and then you bomb it again to destroy it. But that's yeah, a little nitpick. But uh, it's, I'm learning the game a little bit more. But if they well, is it a work in progress were, or is it already done? I think it's already done. Hmm. Uh, I could check that out. Let's see what they got. Um, might be in the store. No, it's not in the store yet. So let's go into the forums. And if you go to Atari Age, go into the forums and the, uh, there is a, uh, 
like a 2600 programming forum where there are some projects. But if you go into the main forum area, there is an area for just homebrews in general. Yeah. It's in the game programming forum. And Zevia's is here. It's programmed by CD-W. Or was it? I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's a direct port from 7800 source code. Level layouts are modified to reduce flicker. There's very little flicker in this. Hmm. It will only work on recent version of Stella or a real 2600 with a Harmony cart. That was as of August 18th. But uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, you can either use the standard Atari joystick, just plug that into the right to joystick port, or you can use a Sega Genesis controller, plug that in the left to use, uh, you know, the independent fire and bombing. That, that's um, cool that they can do that on the 2600. Oh, I know. That's really amazing. I mean, and, logic uh, says you should be able to, but still. Yeah. Just, yeah. We've, we, this system's been around for 43 years, and it's never it hasn't really been done. Mm. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, well, I know you on Scramble on the Atari 8-bit computers, can you can use a Genesis controller on that. I do know that. Unmodified? Think, unmodified. Nice. Um, there might be one or two more games you can do that with, but yeah, that's that. I think that's one of the more amazing things with um, that happens with the twenty six hundred homebrew scene. You don't even need an adapter like you do with the seventy eight hundred. I mean, the Genesis controller works with the seventy eight hundred, but it you know only one button. You can't don't get independent buttons. But right. with that you need an adapter the, for uh, that. But the Adlad and Seagull seventy eight adapter. Yep, you can do that. So. So yeah, I've been uh, playing a few homebrews. Sure. One, I can't remember the name of it. There was a there was an app for uh, for my phone. I could probably pull my phone out right now and look it up. Paul, can we have a little phone unlocking music? <laughs> We're gonna do some un- unlocking on the phone. Yeah, phone unlocking. <laughs> Argon. That's the name of the app. It's just like a bunch of homebrew games for twenty six hundred and television seventy eight hundred, so on and so forth. I guess they got permission to put all of these games on this app. So, but anyway, so what I've been playing that I really like what is it's at any rate. What about four and a half percent? Uh huh. So uh, the one I've been playing a one I've been playing a lot of is called Amoeba Jump. You just got a little amoeba and you're just jumping from platform to platform. Sometimes hitting a red or a green spring, trying to collect the letters to spell amoeba. And the higher you go, you know, the higher your score is. The only way to die is to miss a platform and hit the bottom of the screen. It is amazingly addicting for such a simple little game. Hmm. And I gotta, I keep giving that game go after go after go. And, after um, go. After go. Enjoy the go, as Charmin says. So that's what I've been playing. Mm-hmm. So uh, how about you? Well, I too am kind of like getting into the card thing. Uh, I know that uh, last when we podcasted, uh, I had acquired the concerto cart and literally just a few hours ago, the Dragonfly cart for the 7800 showed up in my mail from mm-hmm. Poland. And in fact, I have it right here, and I will hold it up to the microphone for everybody to hear. And um, I haven't had a chance to try it out yet for a really good reason, and that's that uh, the Dragonfly requires external power, and I need to find an adapter that will work with it. Uh, I got to go back to, this doesn't come with any instructions or anything. So you got to go to Atari age and look at the dragonfly thread and all that. And I'm going to see like what the specs are and all that. It's, uh, I put a $10 deposit down on the next, uh, 
uh, next set of concerto carts. Yeah. So hopefully. That's cool. But yeah, this thing has uh, a little uh, display on the front that tells you what ROM you're playing. Oh, right on the cart. To, yeah, as opposed to an on-screen menu, which is probably why you need the external power. And uh, this particular, and, and the thing is, like, the part of the cartridge that is not inside the little slot, it's wider than the part that is. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty thick cartridge, and. Um, it's interesting. This I didn't know this I either I didn't know or I totally forgot, but it actually comes with a micro SD card so that way you don't have to hunt around for your well not that these days you have to hunt around for a micro SD card. But it runs on a micro SD card and a micro uh, USB. Oh yeah, at least in my case it's got the uh, Pokey Max uh-huh. and a Yamaha YM2151 and I so can't wait to find the proper power for this thing. For uh-huh. one, for one reason, oh, the fortieth anniversary edition of Pac Man Collection mm-hmm. is. Uh, have you played that yet? I have not. I, I actually don't even own Pac Man Collection. Well, you have to get the ROM. It's still a work in progress. Get the mm-hmm. get the latest ROM. It was made specifically for the Atari seventy eight hundred XM, which of course is on hold for unfortunate reasons, but it still will work. It'll still play. And it Mm -hmm. looks for the Yamaha chip. And the problem was, if you didn't have the Yamaha chip, it didn't fall back to Tia sound. But uh, Bob put up another ROM that does force itself into Tia mode. And no disrespect meant to the great Bob DiCrescenzo, but I think he's lying about it using Tia sound. Because it (laughs) sounds too freaking good. It's 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 stunning. It's stunning. It sounds amazing. Uh, the graphics are the arcade graphics, and uh, it scrolls up and down because when you're using the actual arcade graphics, it can't fit. But you're essentially playing the arcade game on your 7800, and it's just amazing. I can't wait to hear it with Yamaha sound. I so can't wait. But uh, that's what I've been doing lately, and um, gaming-wise. And... Um, Lately, I've been getting sucked into Millipede. I mean, I always thought oh? I always thought it was a great game, but man, I I'm just really now appreciating just how awesome that game is. It is so I, good. As I've said before in previous episodes of this very podcast, that I actually prefer Millipede to Centipede. But I I think w- one thing I love about it is the fast action mm-hmm. and how I, how I, easy I, I it is like- to kill things, you know. I, I like that there's more variety and more going on in different waves. There's more. It doesn't get too repetitive. Hmm. I mean, Centipede, like, well, but to, to be fair, like a lot of other games of its time just had like one objective and you do it over and over and over. It's like Pac-Man. But Millipede changes it up just enough to breathe some fresh life into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, what kills, what kills me is uh, last time I was at Underground Retrocade. And I was playing Millipede, as you probably know, because you, you've been underground retrocade many times too. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the games up there on the top of the the cabinet, there's a card that lists the house high score and uh, the arcade.com high high score. I think it lists the top ten scores actually uh, at the uh, underground retrocade. I just noticed the last time I was there mm-hmm. that you're allowed to start up to level three. On Millipede? On Millipede. I did not know that. I've always been starting on level one. So mm-hmm. I tried starting from level three, and I still can't uh, beat my personal best. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
But I'm, I'm going to be playing a lot more of that uh, in the coming futures. At least that's the way I see it now. I might play. Mm. I'm, I might play it for hours and hours and hours, and all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to play this again. That could happen. You never know. Right. So, do we have any news, addenda, errata, what have you? I don't think we have addenda and errata, or do we? Do we? I don't think so. We actually we do have letters. Really? Well, We've here, got me, two. Hold on a sec. Let me see if we have any addenda and errata, because I thought I saw something. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, let's see. Uh, preparedness. Okay, yeah, we, yeah, I don't think we have any addenda and errata. Oh, so that means I don't get the vamp. We we did get a little bit of uh, a tiny bit of feedback on our previous episode from uh, uh, Kairu Yojimbo on Atari Age, who said, "Just wanted to say that I wholeheartedly agree with Jim. Ohio is not in the Midwest. It isn't. No. It isn't. No, and I'm I, not saying I, I hate Ohio. I like Ohio. It's a great state. It's that makes one of us. One of my f- it uh, has one of my favorite amusement parks in Kings Island." It's got a, a fairly nice urban national park in Cuyahoga Valley. Uh, Cleveland is a very underrated city. And it's got some mountains on the uh, eastern part of the state. So, okay, yeah, I'll I like move there. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. But I like it. There's nothing to hate about it. It's just, I think Ohio suffers from the same fate as Indiana. It's just kind of there. Of course, Illinois has that fate too. It's just kind of there. Yeah, if you're not, so. if you're not going to Chicago, there's no real reason... <laughs> To visit the state, because yeah, that's the beautiful stuff downstate. But still, yeah, it's just kind of there. Because that's one thing my wife said. She said if it weren't for Chicago, she'd never want to come here. <laughs> well, as I've said before, I really, I really don't like this state, and it's nothing to do with the politics that are maneuvering. It's just so damn boring here. Yeah, I think you make that argument just with just about. Well, no, you can't. I can't make that argument about California. <laughs> Colorado. Colorado is where I want to go. I've never been there. I, I'd love to I've visit been there, there like sometime. Three, three, four times. Colorado is amazing. Mm. So, uh, shall we uh, address one of these uh, emails real quick? Yeah, and i also like to give a little brief shout out to uh, Air Shack, who sent a very nice uh, uh, happy holidays message, at least to me, uh, some time ago recently, and um, uh, he posted a link to a speed run he did of a game that he homebrewed for the TI-99-4A called Escape from North Korea. Oh, and, cool. Uh, that will be linked in the show notes. So, Ooh, nice yeah. to have the that that sounded perfect on the sound. Ah, did it not? I, I had this. I can software. barely hear it on my on my end. By the way, no, I could hear it nice on my hmm. side. I had this one for the last podcast I did. I had this really nice software uh, soundboard. You could program all of the buttons, do whatever you know, and you could set it to put a certain sound on a timer. And so I had it. I had the dig dug death sound effect. Hmm. to set to go off like five minutes before the podcast ends. Of course, my co-host at the time never, uh, you know, never obeyed that, but, uh, and it was kind of an issue because we were on a live, uh, live stream. We had to get re- uh, get ready for the next show, hmm. but, uh, we had, we had to vacate the airwave for the next show, but, uh, I just wish I remember the name of this product cause I've been looking for it and I really liked it a lot, but, uh. There you but, go. Uh, so. so yeah, um, so you wanted to address something, huh? Yes. So let's read this email. It's uh, oh. from Rob Shelby, who is one half of the Retro Game Club podcast. Hey, Rob. 
Hey, Rob. Uh, thank you for more feedback, by the way. And uh, if you're not listening to Retro Game Club, uh, listen to them. That's uh, a really good podcast. I like it. The only problem I have with the podcast is the uh, the theme music goes like, when it hits, it goes, it's like r- really loud. It like, and I'm like, yeah, it kind of is a little shock to the system. So every time that one comes in on my playlist, I make sure I have the volume down on my radio or my stereo or whatever. And that's... Turn it back up just as the music ends, just you know, so I don't burn my ears out. Last time we heard from Rob, uh, we didn't address his feedback for like 38 episodes. <laughs> I know, I know. So but, this time uh, we're, we, we're on time. Yeah, he sent this one three days ago from since uh, from the time before the time we're recording here. So we're nothing if not timely, of course. So, so I, I I'll read this one through. Oh, please do. Um, Hey guys, I'm currently listening to your Discs of Tron and Mad Planets episode. Mad respect for your love for fast food burgers. I know this is a video game podcast, but I can't help to write you guys about burgers. I try to eat healthy-ish for most of the week, but once a week I do go nuts with fast food. Sort of a funny story. When I was a kid, my dad ran a few Rallys restaurants, which in this part of the country are checkers. He had to go down south for some Rallys convention, came back with a VH, this VHS tape of their ka commercial that featured Seth Green before he was famous. Apparently, Seth Green was at the convention signing autographs. So I had this weird <laughs> autograph photograph of Seth, Seth Green in a fast food costume. Even back then, I knew it was a strange artifact. Anyway, Rally's burgers and fries are among my favorites. Yeah, uh, Checkers came into the Chicago market like in the early 90s, but then yeah. they faded away like really quick. Uh, they're back. I know of at least two stores. There's one in Joliet in the thornton's gas station at the corner of larkin avenue and uh jefferson street and there's also one in romeoville right on route 53 that just opened a, about a year year and a half ago now, is that the place um, where they try to make it like a retro 50s diner yeah it is okay yeah because i remember going to the one that used to be in Joliet on jefferson street before which and, is now a payday loan place yeah by the way. And it was one of those places where if you order a black cow which is a root beer float they make you like moo Really? For the whole, they, they get everybody's attention, and then you have to stand up and say, Brawr! Oh, no, uh, Checkers and Rallies are uh, pretty much drive through only. Oh, no, I'm thinking there's another, there was Al's Diner, I think was the name of it. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, you're, okay, yeah. I mean, Checkers and Rallies do have like a 50s feel to their architecture. Yeah, that's okay, yeah, only. Checkers, yeah, now now I know. Yeah, in fact, there's a Checkers right by uh, uh, where my wife would normally be teaching if we weren't in a pandemic. Uh, but uh, by the way, uh, Checkers has a has a has a dessert item called funnel cake fries that are so good. Really, <laughs> basically just funnel cake, but just in the shape of a fry. When Checkers first came around, they were like quarter pound burgers for a dollar, and they were pretty good stuff. And too, by the way, please Checkers anymore. and Rally and McDonald's, please do not think that uh, you you have to avoid sponsoring us. You don't have oh, to. Heck no. We will welcome you. In fact, one play, uh, continuing here with his email, do you remember or know of a random Midwest fast food place called Racks? We would stop at one while on family road trips. I haven't seen one of those places in probably 25 years. Come to Joliet. Well, come to Joliet, Illinois, which is just 12 miles due east of Morris, Illinois. The store is actually about 14 miles from where I am currently sitting. And about 35 and, yeah. miles southwest of where I'm currently sitting. And it is uh, obviously hasn't been remodeled in like 20, 30 years. It's, uh, I think the location was built in the mid-60s. And um, Rex has an interesting history with their naming. 
because at one time they were Ricks, at one time they were Jacks, and they kept hmm. changing their names because of they're afraid of getting sued by different people, I believe uh. it is. So, uh, yeah, you might want to look that up on, I think Wikipedia's got a pretty good article about them. And then um, we've got to link this video. There, uh, there was a video called, this commercial caused... Uh, Caused, uh, you know, I'm going to grab the real name here. Hold on. I watched that video some time ago, and it is it is pretty disturbing. <laughs> the commercial that killed a fast food chain. That's the name of the video. It's about racks. One of their very th- last things they did, and I remember they... Because in the mid-90s, Rax actually opened, a, maybe just late 80s, opened a second location in the Joliet area. This one in I Crest remember Hill. that. And it, uh, they went out of business. The building burned down, and... Whatever. But right before they closed that one, they came out with this whole campaign with this character called Mr. Delicious. And their uh, tagline was, you can eat here. So, yeah. Um. And in retrospect, after watching this uh, this video called The Commercial That Killed a Fast Food Chain, it's only four minutes long, uh, I could see they were going for kind of a um, t- uh, ironic tone to it. But it just did not work. If anything, it had the total opposite effect of what they were intending. As the video says, they had a lot bigger problems than this commercial, but uh, commercial was the nail in the coffin. So uh, that racks that still exists in Joliet. That's where I had the, that's that's the first place I ever had a taco salad and I freaking loved it. I've actually, ever since I saw this video, ever since Rob's email, I've been thinking, you know what? I haven't been to that racks in a long time and I know they're still open. And now I'm like, I kind of want to get over there. So they have a sandwich called, uh, it has uh, it's, it's roast beef with bacon and cheddar. They call it the BBC. You could take that uh, that any way uh, you know you would you would like to. So, uh, anyway, continuing <laughs> with Rob's email. Yes. Uh, anyway, video games. Uh, I love Discs of Tron. I have a Tron cabinet, but would love a Discs of Tron. It's absolutely one of the most beautiful cabinets. Totally agree. Yep. Any the Tron cabinets, and I will also say Satan's Hollow are some of the best, uh, most attractive cabinets with all of the luminescent neon in them. Let's see here. Mad Planets is one of those arcade cabs that I never ran across while I was young. I think I only discovered it around 2010. It's a very expensive cab to own. I love its sound. Very reminiscent of a Moog synthesizer. Moog. A Moog, oh, Moog synthesizer. And actually he says, Rem, Rem, M, Rem, M, Rem, M, N, Ant. Reminent. Reminent. Yes. Since there isn't, to my knowledge, a legal way to play these arcade games at home, uh, there actually is... Um, with well, not Mad Planets, but Discs, Discs of Tron. Tron you you get, can, yeah. Discs of Tron. If you have uh, a Game Boy SP or the Game Boy Advance player for the uh, the the GameCube, yeah. Uh, you there's a game called Tron 2.0 Killer App, and it has Tron and Discs of Tron in it as uh, not even as unlockables, but you can just play it right off the main menu. That is the only home port, the official only official home port of the Tron and Discs of Tron arcade game. To my knowledge, at least, I, yeah, I think that is. I think that is. Thinking about it, those the only home part of those games. Hmm. Mad Plants, you'll have to you have to play it in Mame. Yeah, and he was goes on to say, I can't find a good way to use Mame with a modern controller. Have any of you successfully done this? If so, any tips? Uh, we did address that in the episode. However, uh, <laughs> he was listening to the the episode while he was uh, he sent us this email yeah, a subsequent yeah. I, email I do that like, too I send feedback sometimes when I'm s- and then s- seconds later after I hit send it's like oh here's where they address it <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And so he goes on to say, thanks and love the podcast. Rob oh, from Detroit. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob, for your very kind, uh, kind email. Yeah, if you ever get to the Chicago area, either Sean or I will take it to Rex. Yeah. On us. Yep. Yeah. 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 Can't vouch for the quality because I haven't been there in years. And last time I was there, like I said, it looked like they needed some serious remodeling. But uh, yeah, it's one of only eight restaurants. There's one in Illinois, one in Kentucky, and like six in Ohio, and that's it. Yeah, I would like I the, the few times I was there, I liked it, and I would love to try it again. I remember it being pretty good. Yeah, but yeah, it was pretty decent. Um, yeah, yeah, but like I said, haven't been there in a long time. Although one of the bacon, uh, beef, and cheddar sandwiches, and I'm not going to use the initials, it sounds pretty good right about now. Hmm. But um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, anyway, hey, thank you, uh, Detroit Rob, for that. Uh, that. That yeah. email. We also heard from uh, our friend uh, Eugenio. Just and today, actually. Ju- yeah, just today. Good timing, Eugenio. Seven, and he uh, says, Seven Great. hours ago, according to my email. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, 1258 uh, Central Stranded Time. So, nope. yeah. Thank Normal you. Normal standard time. Yep. Uh, greetings, Jim and Sean. Bang. Greetings. Happy New Year. Bang. I hope you guys are Corona safe. Well, I think I am so far. So far. Uh, he says, I'm glad to say that I've already gotten the vaccination for the virus. Excellent. And well, yeah, I can understand. He, uh, Eugenio is a doctor. He better get that vaccination. They better let yeah. him get it. Heck yeah. Uh, not everyone in the office has been able to get it. Uh, once we all have it, I'll be able to go back into the normal way of doing business with patients coming to the office. For me, getting the vaccine was pretty much like getting any other vaccine. A bit of arm soreness for a few days, and that was that. Uh, I do recommend everyone gets it once it becomes available for those under the age 65. Based on data that has been published, it does appear this will be an annual vaccine that we will be taking, particularly as new strains of the virus are found and vaccines are modified to cover them. Which, yeah, that makes total sense. Because yeah, that, that thing the thing is mutating. Thankfully, at least the time of the recording, it looks like uh, was it? I think there are three different mutations of it, and uh, the, it looks like the current vaccines are effective against them. Thankfully, they were really worried about the South African uh, variant huh. because uh, it affects the uh, the spike proteins, which is what the uh, the what was it the M- mRNA. Uh, vaccine, which I think is the Pfizer one, is it supposed to attack, and they're worried it won't work against that. But they've done some testing, and it does look like it works against. Oh, that. that's good. But, and uh, um, yeah, they, I just found out, just read the other day that the UK variant has finally been uh, been uh, detected in Chicago. Yeah, and they think it's been here for a lot longer than they realize, which makes right. total sense to me. Yeah. But, Nothing uh, surprises me with this virus. Yeah. But anyway, Eugenio says, I'm sorry I was not able to submit feedback in time for the prior episode as December was really crazy for me, which I totally understand there. Oh, yeah. That's crazy for a lot you're of people. A, you're a freaking doctor. Uh, of course it's going to be crazy for you this time. Yeah. No, that's what, doesn't everybody go to the doctor for Christmas as a Christmas present? I, that's what I'm going to treat myself to. I'm going to go see the doctor. Merry Christmas. That's a gift certificate for a colonoscopy. Hey, yes. <laughs> treat yourself. <laughs> Hey, there was a visit to my endocrinologist under the tree for me, I'll have you know. Oh? But, well, no, not really. But, uh, no, that was actually uh, Ready Player Two, but, uh, which I just started reading, and I am loving it so far. I, I know that- I got so many books I got to I know that people are going to be mad at me for saying that, because like, I'm supposed to not like it, but I don't care. I, I'm liking it so far. A friend of mine for Christmas got me a book called Fart Proudly, the hidden- 
what was it? The Hidden Readings of uh, Benjamin Franklin. Huh. I think I've heard of that, actually. Yeah, so huh. I've started reading that. I've still got to finish my stupidly short John Cleese book. And uh, yeah, I just got way too many books to read. And I don't know too. if I'm going to get get through all of them because my attention span just isn't there anymore. Yeah, I have a huge stack I have to read, too. Such as uh, this email from Dr. Eugenio, who says, uh, Discs Dr. of Tron, e. this is not a game that I ever saw back in the day. I was aware of its existence for some time and had been trying to find it at a retro event. At retro events, sorry. But no such luck. To my surprise, I visited my local arcade and they had it. Bang. It only seems to be there sometimes as they rotate their machines. Yeah, that happens a lot. A lot of arcades do that. You know, instead of saying bang, you should put a sound effect on the, the board. Like, bang. Hmm. Oh, oh, like, oh, yeah, like the phonetic that. pronunciation that Victor Borga would do? <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about him. He was hilarious. Yeah. My, I, my dad and I actually saw him at the Rialto once. He played there quite a bit, I think. Hmm. Uh, anyway, um, said they have the enclosed cabinet, which is the best way to experience the game, as uh, you yourself said, Jim. Uh I also have the GBA version contained in the Tron 2.0 Killer app. While it is cool to have the ability to play it at home on the GBA, nothing replaces the arcade experience. You know, Disney should make a VR version of this game for the PS4. Wouldn't that be cool? I would I would think a VR version of that game would be neat. That probably would be. You know, I've never really done any kind of VR, really. Never I haven't did. either. I think uh, I no, tried. I, take it back. I think I tried I the Virtual Boy once at Midwest Gaming Classic, but that's the closest uh, I ever came. I tried. They actually had a VR setup at uh, the last Midwest Gaming Classic we were at, and I tried it once. And my daughter tried it quite a few times, and uh, it was interesting. And uh, Eugenio also talks of Mad Planets. This is not a game I have ever seen or heard of, so I can't say much about it. I have ice in my mouth. Uh, anyway, he says. Um, I watched some videos on YouTube, and it looks like quite the frenetic game. Oh, yeah. Looking at pictures of the cabinet, I see that it has a spinner and one of those Tron-like controllers. I love the sound effects and music on this game. I'll have to see if they ever bring it to my local arcade or if I ever see it at a retro event. I do want to give this game a try. Uh, yeah, the the sound on it is really, really good. I mean, Gottlieb did oh, some really is. cool stuff with their sounds. A lot. There was a lot of, like... Um a lot of the sound had had like a uh, Williams feel to it, especially yep. in some of their later games. I totally agree. And uh, he goes on to talk about, uh, Eugenio does, he talks about the games that we are going to be talking about in this particular episode. So it might be a good idea to hold off until... I we, think it would you know. be. But anyway. Uh, anyway. I think that's all I personally had to say. How about you there, uh, uh, Jimbo the G? I think I am ready to move on. Oh. So let's move on to a couple of games, shall oh, we? I yeah, think we shall. Let's shall. Let's shall. So which one do we want to talk about first? Oh, that is a good question. I have no preference. I have no idea. You know what? Let's talk about Golden Axe first. Ah, who? Golden Axe. Yeah. Oh, is that so, how we're going to introduce the games this year? I have, like I said, we're just winging it this year. Well, you know, I, I think I am going to have a sign-off for this year. Oh. And you know how, like, I think Dan Rather would say courage. Mm -hmm. And when Katie Couric signed on with CBS Evening News or this whole thing, oh, what's she going to say for her sign-off and all this? 
uh, let's see, for me, last year it was supposed to be puns. The year before, it was redundancies, and the year before that, it was uh, contradictions. I think mm-hmm. this year, it's going to be titles of monkeys songs. Monkeys uh, songs. Sure, why not? Yeah. So, so Golden All Axe, right. you say? Golden Axe, I say, or as they say in Japan, Goruden Akusu. Uh, or probably uh, well, A-K-K-U-S-U. Yeah, it's it's probably one of those silent U's at the end. Ah. So, 1989 game from Sega Electronics. The <sighs> game takes place in the land of Uria. It's uh, uh, kind of yeah. a uh, fantastic medieval world. A bad guy known as Death Adder. When I first heard of the name, the first thing I was thinking of, that's kind of a stupid name. He adds death, but then I thought about it you know, just recently, like, oh... That probably means death snake, because an adder is a snake. Watch out for snakes. Thank you. And uh, so anyway, Death Adder has captured the king and the daughter and is holding them captive in the castle. And he also has the gold, finds the golden axe, which is the magical emblem of the land of Uria, and threatens to destroy both the axe and the royal family unless uh, the countrymen accept him as their ruler. Some warriors set out on a quest to rescue Uria and avenge their losses. One of them is a... Battle axe carrying dwarf named Gilius Thunderhead. Was oh, that the mother in law? <laughs> From the mines of Walud, whose twin brother was killed by Death Adder's soldiers. Another is a barbarian named Axe Battler, which that's kind of one of the worst names in Wait, video gaming. That, that's confusing. Yeah, the first one carries an axe, but uh, the second one is called Axe Battler. An Axe Battler carries a, a two handed broadsword, seeking revenge for the murder of his mother. And the last one is a longsword-wielding Amazon, Tyrus Flair, whose parents were both killed by a Death Adder. Now, this game is, uh, even though you have you can choose from one of three different characters at the beginning, it's uh, two-player simultaneous. Control is eight-way joystick with a magic, attack, and a jump button. The basic game is kind of a fight-and-go-right battler. We're up to, t- you know, travel through multiple levels to defeat the Death Adder. Now, each one of the different, each one of the characters has a different kind of magic. Tyrus has fire magic, Axe Battler uses earth magic, and Gilius Thunderhead uses electric magic. The force of the magic depends on the number of bars of magic power the characters currently have available. If you look at the top of the screen, each one has like a um, like a gauge, and it's like sectioned off into like three, maybe four different, uh, no, actually I think one of them goes up to six different uh, sections, and every time you pick up like a jug, it'll put a jug in there, and if one section's full, you can use the first, uh, that, that magic power. And the more jugs you, uh, you carry, <laughs> you get more powerful, yes, more powerful magic power. So that's how that works. Also in the game, you can find uh, several different creatures you can ride. They're called Bizarians, actually. One, it looks like a walking bird with a tail, and he's called the Cockatrice. <laughs> and he can swipe his tail at the enemies when the attack button is pressed. And that animal actually carries over from the arcade game uh, Altered Beast. The other is a f- dragon, and there are two different types of dragons. One shoots a short blast of fire from its mouth, and the other one can shoot fireballs. Those are nice to have later on in the game, but uh, yeah, try staying on them. That's uh, kind of a trick in and of itself. And if you uh, attack someone, each character has a special like move you can use by hitting the attack and jump buttons. There are five levels. I can't remember the names of all of them. One of them is a pretty cool level where you're uh, actually battling Death Adder's soldiers uh, in a town that's on the back of a turtle. You don't see it, but they intimate that, uh, or they hint at, rather, that, uh, you know, 
you're riding the turtle toward the land where Death Adder is holding the king and the princess hostage. And between every second level, well, actually, uh, between the levels, there's a short level where you can kick goblins to regain health and uh, get some magic jugs. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Uh, here's a big spoiler. Uh, after you complete player defeats Death Adder and you see all the credits and everything, uh, there's a pretty kind of funny uh, meta animation of the characters from the game jumping out of the arcade machine and chasing the, per- the kid playing the machine at the time. <laughs> nice. On the title screen, there's kanji characters, uh, you know, Japanese uh, text, and it actually reads senpu, meaning fighting axe. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> this, I thought, was one of the more interesting bits of trivia I've ever uh, actually heard. Uh, about any game. And this is coming right off, uh, I believe it's GamingHistory.com. Many of the samples used for Golden Axe and its sequels were taken from the movies Rambo, First Blood, and Conan the Sumerian, which I think is Conan the Barbarian here. More specifically, when you kill bad guys, sometimes they scream something like, Oh God, which was taken from Rambo at the scene, which takes place in the forest when one of the policemen fell into a trap and gets impaled by sharp pieces of wood. The sample used for the man who gets trampled by a bad guy in Golden Axe and the scream of Death Adder when falling from the dragon at the final scene of Golden Axe, Revenge of Death Adder, was taken from the policeman who also fell from the helicopter pursuing Rambo. Finally, the battle cry used for the big baddies when they die in Golden Axe and the scream for the big chained green monster on Golden Axe, Revenge of Death Adder on stage three are the same and take it from Conan's scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger fights the two villains on a Stonehenge-like background and again, one of them gets impaled by a trap. So yeah, they stole samples from, <laughs> from some some of the big uh, action films from the <laughs> 80s there. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Wavemaster released a limited edition soundtrack album for the game, Golden Axe The Music, catalog number WM-0595 till day 7, on February 21st, 2008, containing music from the original arcade and Sega Mega Drive Genesis series. And there are two comic books to accompany the game were published in the UK in the early 90s. They can be found in Fleetway's Sonic the Comic, which ran for approximately 200 issues. There are only two uh, arcade sequels. No, actually, there was only one, Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder. There were some other sequels, but those were mostly for home systems. Uh, The most interesting one is called Golden Axe Warrior on the Sega Master System, which is a clone of The Legend of Zelda, Hmm. which is actually a fun game in its own right. The only ports for the games back in the classic era were on the Sega Master System and the Genesis. Somebody homebrewed this game for the Atari 2600. Really? It's called Titan Axe. And uh, I tried playing it a little bit, and... um, Let's just say something shouldn't be tried on the 2600. I applaud the effort. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, something should just not be tried on it. Although, I guess you could argue that Tapper shouldn't have been tried on the 2600, and it came out pretty good. So your mileage may vary. So I found out some, and I was also, I haven't used this source in a while, but looking on the Cutting Room Floors website, if I can find it, here it is. There's a few interesting things. First of all, there's no time limit in the game, and you do have a health bar. I think it's like three three bars, and every time you get thrown to the ground, one of them gets uh, wiped away, as it were, and then you got to eat more enemies to get health. Huh. There is a animation in the game that's not used, but it's actually in the code in the Japanese version, where it shows Axe Battler decapitating an enemy, sending his head flying toward the screen. Oh, So that's quite lovely. In the Japanese version... On the select player screen, uh, the words select player drip blood. 
Oh. And see, there was one other thing here that I thought was interesting. I guess I can't really find it. But oh yeah, there's a graphic that says time over, even though there's no timer in the game. You can be methodical in this game in your approach to it. And that, in a nutshell, is Golden Axe. Golden Axe. Golden Axe. It's a honey of a place where food is fun. Golden Axe. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's Golden Bear. For people who are in the Chicago area, that was a chain of pancake houses that got bought out by Pizza Hut. And all their stores were converted to Pizza Hut. At least ones that didn't have a Pizza Hut nearby. Hmm. So. So. So what do you think of the game, Sean? Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk, let's discuss, let's converse. Oh man, I just realized one thing missing from the soundboard. Oh? Mr. Horse. No, sir. You didn't like the game. No, no. Oh, that's no, sad. It, I like this it game. Bored the, you know, the thing is, it. I'm not a fan of the fight and go right genre. Okay, well, that's fair. I, I, I try and it just bored me to tears and wore my, it wore my digits out from repeatedly fire it's it's one of those button masher games and it i just lost interest so quickly so quickly Ugh. so that's everything i have to say about golden axe i like this game this was one of my favorite fight and go right type games it might actually be my favorite yeah i don't it doesn't bore me i like the lore behind it the mythology behind it Actually, I probably think Shinobi would be my probably my favorite fighting group. No, I think this one, because I can do better in this one than Shinobi. Uh, I like the characters. I like the animation. And one of my favorite arcade sound effects is in this game. I haven't really mentioned specific sound effect in a while, like uh, Xevious, where you shoot the, uh, the shields that are flipping over, where it makes that ping sound. This one has a, a cool sound effect that I like. I think you can only do it with uh, either of the... Yeah, you can only, I, maybe you can do it with the uh, dwarf too. I haven't tried it with him. But there'll be a time where you'll like, you could, you'll grapple a, uh, an enemy and then you'll use the butt of your sword to knock on his head and it'll make like a thunk sound. Thunk, thunk, <laughs> thunk. And I just love that. I think that's hilarious. So, um, yeah, and I think this, this thing, uh, this game uh, changes things up a lot. And uh, I think it's good for what it does. And we know that you don't like it, so... Yeah, there's something in my mind, too, that just automatically bores me when I see the word golden in the beginning of a video game title, such as Golden Tea. Oh, God, there's a game we're never going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, What's the point in talking about Golden Tea? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Golden Tea, forget it. Golden Axe bores me. And uh, there. Can I go home now? No, you can't. These games, I think, though, are made more for, like, multiple players than they are for mm, single player. I could buy that. And I think you probably need to play this one with more than one player. I enjoy it just playing by myself, but I have played with other people, and it, it can be a fun experience. So where did you first play it? Where did I first play it? Well, I've been thinking about that, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Aladdin's Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall. Duh. I want to think that might be the only place I've played it. Um, I'm pretty sure I may have played it elsewhere, but I know I've definitely played it at the Aladdin's Castle. I never played it anywhere but MAME. And the thing is, last time I was at Underground Retrocade, we had already decided the games in this episode, and I totally mm -hmm. never thought to play it when I was there. Huh. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe if I play it on a real arcade castle. So, next time, next time I'm somewhere where there is a golden axe, I will try it. I will. Let's do that. 
Let's definitely do that. I'm going to try to get up to Retrocade in the next couple of weeks. I'd probably get in trouble if I go. I get in trouble if I do anything these days. So, um, do we have any high scores? Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a this is one of those games where it seems that you get one point per kill or something along those lines. Like uh, the Twin Galaxies record is held by Evan Weston, which was set on May twentieth, two thousand twenty, and uh, Evan scored two hundred and eighty one. And Orcade.com has two separate tracks for uh, Golden Axe, one for one player, one for multiple players. Uh, the one player record holder on Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E, is Chris Plackey with a score of 336.5, and he uh, did that on October 12th, 2017. And the two player record is held by Brendan O'Dowd and Martin Bedard. Uh, with a score of 338 on uh, May 27th, 2015. Nice. Yeah. So. Indeed. So what are you going to rate the game? <sighs> you see, I, I really hate to rate this because it's going to be totally just my own ennui taking over, explaining the two out of five continues. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to rate this one a four. Wow. Like I said, I really like this one. I think I will say this, though. Is I think this is one of those games that works better as a home game than it does an arcade game. Hmm. I can see and, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I think this is one of those games you just want to be around with a, a group of friends sitting in front of the television play. Now, the fact that you, even though there are three characters and you can only play two characters in the arcade, that that works just fine for home. For home oh, yeah. Scenes. Pretty much every console up till recently has pretty much been two players. What happened with that? We had uh, the Atari 5200 was a four-player console that quickly removed the four-player capability to go to two-player. And we haven't seen four-player capabilities until uh, the GameCube. What about uh, some of the paddle games on the Atari 2600, like, say, Warlords? Oh, yeah, Warlords. I don't know if that really counts, though, because of the way that the control... Because the paddles were meant for were, were yeah, in pairs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But for the most part, it was the the twenty six hundred basically was a two player console. Hmm. Uh, the only the exception being, but and even then, those were the last consoles that had four player capability yeah. up until. I'm Game surprised Cuba. that that's that that wasn't more common. Yeah, I kind of kind of uh, agree with you on that. That was that's kind of a weird decision because. Four-player games, especially games like Warlords, are, like, great for parties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the thing with the 2600, though, the 5200 came out after the 2600 was introduced. So yes. my original point still still stands. So I think with that, we should probably move on. Move on? Or how about should we hang on? Ooh. <laughs> see what I did there? See what you did there? That Whoa. is what we call a segue, ladies and gentlemen. Most likely, gentlemen. Do we have, seriously? If any women listen, let us know. Let us know because you know we. I know that video games, especially we, back then. I mean, but I think we have a couple. Okay, well, it's good to know. Good to know. I mean, I I don't want this to be like just a big like sausage fest. I, mean, I hate that I mean, it's term. Fine, but, but you know. But anyway, hang on. What about it? Well, Sega released it in July 1985, and it was designed by Yu Suzuki. And uh, his team would also do Outrun later on. Uh, the music... Yu <laughs> Suzuki yep. doing a racing game. <laughs> go, fi go figure. Go figure. And uh, the music was by Hiroshi Kawaguchi. And um, this was 
Yu Suzuki's second game for Sega, his first was Champion Boxing. Not Championship Boxing, Champion Boxing. And uh, Hang On was basically Sega's response to pole position, which was uh, Namco's response to Sega's Turbo. So basically, Hang On was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Pole Position was Pet Sounds, and Turbo was Rubber Soul. So that's how that chain goes. Uh, it's uh, to, to explain okay. it in more common terms, I guess. Uh, but anyway, Hang On was inspired by market research suggesting that Grand Prix motorcycle racing was popular. So Suzuki took some uh, particular inspiration from uh, Freddie Spencer, who was an American motorcycle racing champion. And uh, what Yu Suzuki wanted to do, he wanted to build a 3D environmental racing game, but they didn't have the appropriate technology to pull it off. So instead, they came up with this arcade board called the Super Scaler. And the Super Scaler consisted of two Motorola 68000 CPUs. Ergo, because of the Motorola 68000 CPU, this was a 16-bit game. So it was a little bit more advanced than uh, a lot of games at the time. The uh, Super Scaler, they originally were calling it the Sega Hang-On Hardware. By the way, be careful how you say Hang-On Hardware. You don't want to introduce a spoonerism there. But anywho, um, that's the same hardware that ran Space Harrier. And that explains a lot, because when I was playing Hang-On, I kept thinking Space Harrier, a game that I did not like, by the way. Mm -hmm. We talked about that in a prior episode. Which prior episode? I don't remember. But anyway, um, as I have been wont to do the past several episodes, I want to talk about the control panel. Well, the, to talk about the control panel, I also have to talk about how there were two different versions of Hang On. There was the version in a standard upright cabinet, which used handlebars to control, as if you were controlling an actual motorcycle. And by the way, I checked with an actual motorcycle enthusiast because I've uh -huh. never ridden a motorcycle and I have zero plans to. It's not my thing. But uh, said motorcycle enthusiast confirmed that the arcade controls of Hang On are accurate to real motorcycle piloting. There's a handbrake. Uh, you turn the right handle inward to accelerate, things like that. However, a real motorcycle works. That's how this one works as well. The other cabinet was a uh, deluxe version of the game. The controller was a motorcycle-like device that you actually sat on, as if you were riding a real motorcycle. And you would lean to the left, lean to the right to, uh, to steer it, really. Now, that version, it was met with some resistance, because people in Japan thought it was kind of inappropriate that they expect people to straddle something in public, especially if somebody was wearing a miniskirt. But the thing is, it didn't really hurt sales. It, the, both versions of the cabinet, the deluxe and the standard one, were massive success, especially in the United States. And uh, at least Sega in the United States had a hard time keeping up with demand. So this was a huge success. And uh, speaking of the control panel, the original idea was to use torsion bar suspension i have no idea what that is it's not my thing but apparently it's a kind of suspension that's used in some trucks suvs and military grade vehicles including tanks but a torsion bar proved to be too difficult to implement in the game so they tossed that out the window in favor of springs really but how how does one play hang on <laughs> i'm glad you how asked your one? listener 
Because I'm uh, going to tell you. How does how does one play Hang On? One plays Hang On as if it were pole position. It's a racing game. You just race and go as fast as you can, and you dodge your uh, opponents in the race. You uh, avoid obstacles. Uh, there, I don't think there are really any obstacles in the road. They're more off the road, like signs and rocks and things like that. Uh, ooh, excuse me. Hmm. Bless you. Thank you. So it's basically pole position on a motorcycle. The point of view is from behind your motorcycle rider character. And uh, there are five stages in Hang On. The first stage, which you get 75 seconds to complete, is Alps. And then next you have Grand Canyon. And by the way, I don't know what the timing is on the rest of these stages, mainly because I suck at this game. But uh, you got Alps, you have Grand Canyon, City Night, Seaside, and Circuit. The uh, motorcycle, by the way, it's an automatic shift, uh, so uh, you don't have to worry about going into high gear, low gear like you do on many racing games. You just ride your bike, and it appears to max out at somewhere around 276 kilometers per hour, or kilometers if you're one of those kilometers You were going to say kilobits, weren't you? No. No, I was not. (laughs) I seriously was not, no. But that's that's the game, really, and... uh, it's you can kind of see a little bit of outrun kind of sneaking into it, uh, kind of foreshadowing outrun, because if you say run into a rock at a particular angle, you'll be thrown off the bike, which is kind of what happens in outrun. The car flips over and you and your passenger get f- thrown out of it. Uh, sometimes the bike completely explodes in a fiery crash. Uh, yet miraculously you have a new bike within seconds so uh i guess is that video game yeah i guess it would be video game physics yeah that needs to be added to the soundboard so yeah uh i don't know if that's physics that's that's more like video game magic well magic is a it's kind of a physics isn't it Oh, and I got a message from our listener saying, are you watching football right now by chance, Sean? Uh, no, I'm not. Thank you for asking, Sing. <laughs> but anyway, um, I got I got a, a tiny bit of trivia for uh, Hang On. There was a sequel called Hang On Jr. And Hang On Jr. is just Hang On, but using uh, less powerful hardware. And as a result, the graphics aren't quite as smooth. And that particular hardware was Sega's System E hardware, which is pretty much the same hardware that was in the Sega Master System. Uh, There is a slight difference in terms of features on Hang On Jr., and that's that there are puddles in Hang On Jr., but there are no puddles in original Hang On. And another piece of trivia is that... uh, Oh, what did I say the guy's name is? Uh, let me check my notes again. Doody 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 do. Ba 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 ba. Hiroshi Kawaguchi actually released a sound chat. Uh, yeah, the heck? No, go away, Siri. Uh, Hiroshi Kawaguchi released a soundtrack album in 1987. It was called Sega Taikon Game Special, and it has the music from Hang On on it. So, uh, actually, I'm looking at the uh, track listing right now, and it looks like it also has uh, music from Afterburner and huh. uh, possibly a oh, couple a, of other. That's a game we have to add to the list. I Ooh. thought it was on there. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. So, yeah, it looks like it's kind of a, a, mis- a collection of different uh, Sega themes, but Hang On is on it. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry to jump around, but scoring, well, it's a racing game. You basically get points for 
racing. Really, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Passing as, cars and yeah. making laps. And as with most Sega racing games, the scoring is pretty darned high. Uh, by the time you get to a checkpoint, you're you're racking up like close to like 2 million points. Wow. So, yeah, like basically you get a million points for just starting. I, you know, oh God, you know what it really, really annoys me about this game? It's like at the beginning huh. of pole position, at the beginning of Hang On, you and the other racers are right there at the line. But as soon as the race starts, Every other racer is a vroom, and just like 8,000 miles yep. ahead of you. It's like, what sense does that make? You're the only one who can't accelerate that fast? I, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, I should talk about the home versions of uh, Hang On. There's Hang On 2, which is not really a continuation or a sequel, but it is a home port of Hang On, which was for the SG-1000. So... Hang On 2 for the SG-1000 is just a home port of Hang On. Uh, the Sega Master System had it as a pack-in at some point during its lifespan. It wasn't always the pack-in, but uh, it quite frequently was. Uh, the NEC PC-8801, which is a computer that was primarily used in Japan, although it did have a little bit of uh, usership, I guess, user base, there we go, in the United States as well. They had uh, Hang On... And as did the MSX, and there was a Tiger Toys LCD handheld of uh, Hang On. So isn't that something? Isn't that something? Oh, it sure is. You know what? We need to get that clip of, uh, oh, God, what that was that televangelist? Uh, Robert Tilton Oh, said, God. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And by the it's way. On one of the, it's on one of the farting preacher. Uh, and I'm very <laughs> proud to say, preacher. here I live in the third largest city in the country. And ergo, the third largest media market in the country. And my city's number one news, number one rated morning news program actually showed a farting preacher video. Oh, no. Yep. WGN? WGN. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Just recently, right around Christmas time, I think. But uh, anyway, as for, uh, there were several sequels. Uh, I already talked about Hang On Jr. Uh, there was Super Hang On, which I actually played recently, uh, not terribly long ago at Underground Retrocade. And uh, that is a, gr oh, that is such a great racing game, Super Hang On. It's from 1987. Uh, you get to select a continent where you get to race. You can choose like Africa, North America, probably not USSR because it wasn't a continent. That's for uh, uh, mafia-based uh, pornographic porn games. games. Yeah, uh, It actually has a turbo button on the handlebar, and that accelerates your motorcycle to like ridiculously high speeds, definitely over 300 kmph. And you actually need to use that turbo boost at some point to get to the checkpoints. If you don't, you're not going to make it past the first checkpoint. And uh, that game, the motorcycle has two gears. There's a high and a low. Uh, there was limited edition Hang On in 1991, which is actually Super Hang On. It's just a reissue of Super Hang On, but mm -hmm. a little bit more forgiving than the original Super Hang On. And there was Hang On GP in 1995, which is actually for the Sega Saturn. And I took a look at that. I don't have a Sega Saturn to try it on, but I looked at a couple of YouTube videos. That resembles Daytona USA quite a lot. Uh, hang Daytona. on, GP does. And in fact, uh, fun fact for you, Yu Suzuki actually worked on the team that designed Daytona USA. 
Oh, nice. So anyway, uh, that version, and hang on GP, it actually uh, gives you a choice of different motorcycles you can play, and you can also tweak the controls, and the that, that is the game controls, and you can tweak uh, the features of your motorcycle as well. So uh, I think I just said everything I know about hang on right then and there. Um, Jimmy G, where did you first see and or play hang on? Well, I think I've only ever played it in the arcade, the arcade version once. And yeah. I I don't exactly remember where I played it. I want to think it was at an amusement park, but I don't think it was King's Island. I do remember it was a sit-down edition that you s- steered the bike uh, by tilting it. It was like a sit-down edition. You sat on it and you yeah. tilted the bike left or right to steer it. But like I said, I want to think it was an amusement park. Really, if it wasn't King's Island, it would have been Great American. I'm pretty sure I didn't play it there. Huh. I don't really remember. I know I've played this in the arcade, but I don't really remember where I've played it. Yeah, I don't think I ever actually played standard hang-on. I think I've only played super hang-on. I've played mm-hmm. hang-on in MAME. And yeah, and the thing is, like, I'm not a big fan of hang-on, really. Be- mm-hmm. It just doesn't... I think part of it is that it reminds me so much of Space Harrier, which I did not enjoy. So it kind of gave me that flashback to not enjoying Space Harrier. <laughs> and... It just, it was just kind of, I mean, after playing Super Hang On and then downgrading to Hang On, it just, it just kind of bored me. It's like, okay, this is pole position on, on motorcycles. Uh, the thing, and the thing is, I don't like about Hang On is that when you stop accelerating, like you'll be at like 270 kmph, then all of a sudden, uh, you just barely ease up on the accelerator and suddenly you're at 168 kmph. It's like, come on, man. Is there really that much deceleration in these? I mean, I don't Maybe there are. Maybe there is so much deceleration. I don't know. I don't know. But, but yeah, I wasn't a big fan. I wasn't a big fan. I love me the Super Hang-On, though. I'm going to be playing a lot more of that in the future. Yeah, I've... Truth be told, I since we announced the next episode, uh, since we announced this episode, I have been trying to get it working in MAME, but I just cannot find the correct ROM set. It keeps giving me the ROMs not found message. Oh, yeah. I've been looking for it. I had I that problem. I'll send you the ROM. Oh, sweet. I should have uh, should have talked to you about that. But yeah, so I have not been able to play it on my version of MAME. I don't, I pretty much don't update my MAME ROM set. And there's only one way I will update it. And it's when they finally get the game Sovalau to uh, work properly in it. Uh, yeah. Until that time, I'm not going to update it. Sure. And a little bit, a tiny bit of breaking news here. Pie Factory breaking oh. news, so uh, hi, do you, you'll have to put the thing here. I think I, I mentioned this a second ago, but we I just got a message from uh, a longtime listener of ours, uh, Singh, uh, who says, are you watching football right now by any chance? And why, he said, I wondered if you caught Josh Allen's alert, alert audible. Straight up Bosconian. A lie, a lie. Straight up Bosconian. <laughs> said, you're the only person I know that might possibly care. So th- that was perfect timing, too, because we got this in the soundboard just for reasons like this. So thank you, Singh. But um, where I first, I, and again, I, I only played this in MAME, really. I don't think I played the original Hang On, just Super Hang On. So the redundant, redundancy there. Uh, I can talk about high scores, though. Now, this is interesting here because uh, uh, Twin Galaxies, two different tracks, one for Upright, one for Deluxe. 
Now, the upright record holder on Twin Galaxies is Ashton Harden, who scored 7,385,200, and that was certified September 23, 2005. Now, the deluxe version with the actual little motorcycle thing you sit on, Don Novak has that record, going all the way back to June 27, 1986, and his score was 40,715,030. That... That is really crazy. Like, if you go to Twin Galaxies and you look at the high scores on each of these tracks, the deluxe version, the scores are astronomically higher than on the upright version. And I wonder if maybe the um, the movement on the deluxe version is just a little bit more forgiving. Because one big problem, I mean, I love racing games, but one big problem I have with a lot of them is that they are very hypersensitive. Like, you think you're just going to turn ever so slightly to the right, and suddenly you're practically making a U-turn. So I wonder if that might be a thing there. Like, the turning is a little bit more reasonable in the deluxe version? I don't know. Uh, Jim, Jimmy G, did you, say, did you say you played both versions at some point? No, I I, I pretty much just played the sit-down. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I may, you know what? I may have played the other one now that I think about it. I don't know. I do remember playing the sit-down version, and I was a little bit confused, like, the handlebars don't turn. How am I supposed to steer this thing? Yeah. So I do like the one thing I like is when you do turn in the game, the, the how the graphic shows the uh, motorcyclist with kind of his knee down. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Neat. Yeah. That, that, that is a cool effect there. I, I do like that. I do like that. Uh, Orcade.com has only one track. And for that track, Pat LaFay, I think it's pronounced L-A-F-F-A-Y-E, has a score of 31,602,890 uh, back on uh, May 29th, 2000. Um, thing is, I don't know if that's the sit-down, lean-left, lean-right version or the standard upright version. It doesn't really say. And, uh, yeah, I could guess that it might be the sit-down version. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. So, Jimmy G, how would you rate on our scale of one through five continues? How would you rate? Well, in the past, games that I haven't really had that much experience with or haven't had experience with recently, I've uh, rated a three just to maintain a sense of neutrality. So I'm going to have to do that with this one. Hmm. Uh, I have not played it in quite some time. Yeah, I'm rating it a three out of five continues simply because that's how I feel about it. You know, it's... It was again. It's basically just pole position on a motorcycle with some uh, space harrier style graphics. I much prefer Super. I suddenly forgot the name of the damn game. Super, hang on. Great. I, I highly recommend that one though. That is a, such a such a fun game. Um. Yeah. So uh, shall we uh, reveal the theme? Yes, please do. Okay. Just a little cheating on this one. But uh, these are games that are on the Sega Genesis six-pack cartridge. Well, for the Sega Genesis. Um, uh-huh. Golden Axe is on there. The version of Hang On that's on here is Super Hang On. So I'm fudging the rules a uh. little bit here. Uh, I thought it was only Super Hang On because when Sega ported games to the Genesis, most of them weren't just like the direct arcade port. They were like updated versions like uh, Space Harrier, Space Harrier 2, Shinobi was Revenge of Shinobi. And so I was thinking Super Hang-On was just set, just the regular Hang-On, just a few features added for the Genesis port, but apparently not. But uh, hmm. the other games on this pack, this is actually, if anybody gets a Sega Genesis, 
definitely get this cartridge because there's a lot of bang for your buck on this one because it's got six of the truly standout titles for the Genesis. The first Sonic the Hedgehog. Really Golden good Axe, game. Golden Axe. Uh, Streets of Rage, which is one of my favorite beat-em-up games. Revenge of Shinobi. Columns, which I think we've talked about Columns. I think we have, yeah. And I can't Super believe Hangout. Bill at Atari Bytes never played Columns. He didn't, did he? He, no. he was talking about that game, uh, what was it, Acid Drop on his Acid most Drop. recent. Yeah, after hearing what he said about Acid Drop, I had to run over to my Atari and fire up Acid Drop on my Harmony cart just to see uh, how... I got to say, I actually like it, except uh-huh. the music can be annoying. It does have... It, it's basically Columns, but there's one extra feature that it has that I really like. It, once in a while, there'll be this horizontal bar that drops down and wipes out the stack, mm-hmm. or at least part of it. And also... You know how in columns you get this vertical bar and you press the button to rearrange the mm-hmm. just how the colors laid out? Uh, you can actually turn the vertical stack horizontal oh. on acid drop. That's really cool. Oh, that's neat. In acid drop that when you drop it, you can it like you know, deletes everything or whatever. Uh that actually is in some versions of columns. Ah, okay. That makes that makes sense that it would be. I like columns. Columns is great. Well, what was the last game that you said on the on the six pack? Uh, well, Super Hang On. Super Hang On, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And the, list again, Sh- the list again, Sonic the Hedgehog, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Revenge of Shinobi, Columns, and Super Hang On. When I saw this uh, in the store, I had already uh, ordered uh, the first Sonic the Hedgehog off of eBay, but then I saw this at uh, Disc Replay, and uh, and I saw the games on here, and so it was like eight bucks. I'm like, oh, I'd be stupid not to pick this one up. Yeah. I don't care that I have a Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge on the way, but... Uh, Hey, let's get back. Let's let's get back to you, Henio. Yeah. Why don't we get back to you, Henio? Yeah. And uh, he says about Hang On. He says I do remember seeing this game at my local arcade in Puerto Rico. They had the motorcycle version of it, which I did get to play several times. It reminded me of Pole Position, but I felt it was cooler because I could sit on a motorcycle to play it instead of standing at a cabinet. That is a unique experience. But Pole Position, to be fair, does have an environmental variation. True. So you could still have that driving kind of feel. Uh, but anyway, he says it quickly became the main attraction at the arcade, and getting to play it got harder for that very reason. Oh, felt a burp coming that ended up not being a burp. Okay. Anyway, the game was popular enough that they brought the stand-up cabinet as well, but that one wasn't as popular. I don't I have any why. of the home versions of the game, though. I, I don't have any of the home versions of the game, though I do have the Genesis port of Super Hang-On, Interestingly, Sega did make a different sequel called Hang On 2 for the SG-1000 console. There is one being sold on eBay at the time I write this, and he puts a link that I may or may not share in the show notes. But yeah, there we go. That's uh, Eugenio's thoughts on uh, Hang On. Um, Now I almost do want to try that sit-down version. (laughs) I'm just curious uh, on the Sega Master System Hang On. Oh, okay. Oh, hang on, on the Sega Master System was one of the games that came on uh, a card, and not a full yeah. cartridge. Interesting. I was thinking it was uh, like, uh, uh, what? what's the game? It was kind of like, um, oh God, uh, Excite Bike on the NES, but mm. that's actually Enduro Racer, which that's ah. an interesting game too, because instead of the bike tilt- tilting left or right to steer, you lift it up and down. You raise the front end up and down to make jumps. And uh, I have seen that a few times, so that's kind of neat. But uh, I will finish reading the feedback here. Yes, do. Golden Axe. 
Here is another game that I first experienced at home, and that, to this day, I've never experienced at the arcade. I got this game when I bow. I know he means bought, but I'm just going to be pedantic like Sean. Uh, I bow a lot of consoles that included a Sega Genesis because I had heard a lot about it. Having seen videos of it on YouTube, I knew I wanted it, which uh, I knew I wanted. I did not regret this decision. This is a fun game. Love how it looks, love how it plays, and I love the music on it. This game also has something I like, dragons. You can ride them and use them against your opponent, which I think is cool. That is my favorite part that, of the game. That, I admit that is cool, yeah. This game has enough variety to keep the player entertained. I really like the power-up that lets you destroy everything on screen. The Genesis version also has a dual mode, which is pretty cool. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the Genesis version has a one-on-one fighting mode. There's a, a couple of different options on the uh, the Genesis version, which makes it worth picking up. Looking at videos of the arcade version, it does appear that the Genesis captured the game quite well. It That it definitely did. Hmm. This game did get tons of ports, which shows how popular it was. The Amiga and Genesis ports are the best ones from what I could see on comparison videos. This is another game they ported to the Sega Master System, and a lot of people like it, but it's just so choppy that I can't enjoy it. Hmm. Uh, it really needed the 16-bit touch, which Sega did quite well. That was... Why could I, I? Sega had such a hit with the Genesis, the Sega Genesis, but they could not get another. This is Jim, not you, anyway. <laughs> they could not get another successful console ever. In the hmm. ever, I mean, the Saturn was a flop. The Dreamcast, Dreamcast should have been a success, but it was a flop. And then, of course, they had the add-ons, the 32X and the the Sega CD for the Genesis. Yeah, but they just couldn't. They just couldn't repeat that magic, and it just killed the company. And it's just it's just sad. There's a, I think the gaming historian has um, has some videos about Sega of America and how they um, tried getting these like weird things like the uh, the 32x and the Sega CD to try to prolong the life of the Genesis. But uh, yeah, it's, Sega. I mean, they had. I'm repeating myself again, but <sighs> they had so much potential. But anyway. So, as he says, that's all for today. Again, please wear a mask, wash your hands, stay safe. Going to the final oh, yeah. frontier, masked and gaming. Thank you, Eugenio. Yes, thank you. And uh, anybody else who would like to reach out to us, uh, we're on various social media, such as Twitter and uh, Facebook. You'll hear our Twitter address uh, from our booth announcer coming up soon. And um, our email address, which you won't hear from our booth announcer, is piefactory at fab the number four it.com. So fab for it.com. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so that was our theme. And, uh, I do wish on behalf of the entire cast and crew of pie factory podcast, thank a whole ton of people here. So, uh, I will start that right now. Thank you. Timmy Mac underground retrocade, PJ steel, Kurt Musgrave, Mike hat and J air shack, Keith Sheehan, Rory Coleman, Art Guglielmo, the SNES podcast. Thank you, Greg. Steve Steiner, Mark Super, Kyle Etter, Richard Grounds, Lance Andres, Atari Bites, Christian Williams, Nate Lockhart, D. Alex, New Balance Stores Phoenix, Tim Foley, Richard Valdez, and our newest Patreon sponsor. I, David, I, I thank you so much, and I also apologize uh, for 
possibly mispronouncing your name. Your name. I don't know if it's Chaves, Chavez, or uh, something else. It's C-H-A-V-E-S. Uh, if it was a Z, then I'd know for sure it was Chavez. <laughs> um, I, I've, please forgive me. I, I'm really sorry for saying it wrong if I did, which I probably did. Uh, it's kind of like how there was this uh, guy who played for the Cubs many years ago that uh, Harry Carey would call him Lopez, and it was L-O-P-E-S, but I think he was supposed to be pronounced Lopes. <laughs> I don't know if he'd already had a lot of false staffs in him at that time yet, though. What was the one? There was a, a, a player that came from, it was either Korea or Japan, to sh- uh, came to Chicago, and um, one thing that uh, Harry Carey tried to do Oh, no. <laughs> in his broadcast was uh, say the player's name backwards. And that, yep. that was just, uh, was it Hideo? <laughs> you know, it was Hideo I, something. Yeah. Hey, man, because I'll tell you what, I, I don't like baseball, but I, I used to tune into Cubs games just for Harry Carey. I'd tune in early in the game, and then I'd tune in like for a few minutes several innings later, and then again later toward the end just to see the progression of Harry's uh, pounding of the fall staffs. Because <laughs> you get progressively... Harry Carey, <laughs> Harry Carey is, the, is the, broad, the sports broadcasting world's uh, version of Larry Bud Melman. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison, I think. And I, yeah. and I only say that because I've been watching a lot of clips of Late Night with David Letterman lately, and especially uh, Larry Bud Melman episodes. And I did not realize that Larry Bud Melman put out an album in the 90s called uh, Calvert DeForest's Erotic Experience. Yeah, Calvert DeForest is his real name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was and, the thing. Like when Letterman moved over to CBS, he couldn't carry the name Larry Bud Melman because it was considered NBC property. And he ruled that, well, Calvert DeForest is a weird enough name, so we'll just use. Yeah. That. Oh God! And they, uh, and they, uh, they were telling David Letterman he couldn't take the top ten lists with them either. And the first time he, uh, uh, when David Letterman was on CBS, and ah. he did the top ten list. He he was doing the top ten list, and he goes, "Yes, it's Intellectual Properties Night here on the Late Show." <laughs> <laughs> But oh, yeah, the, and the thing is, like, speaking of Korean slash Japanese, there was a, you, you probably remember this, this was fairly recent. I am so glad, that, you know, as much as I wish Harry Carey were still walking this earth, I'm so glad he was not here for Fukudome. There's no way he would have been able to oh, say that guy's name right. Of. That's what I think it was. Yeah, I thought he was alive for, uh, no. for Fukudome. No, no, Fukudome oh, was wow. from like 2008, I think. Because, okay. yeah, there's no way – there was no way they would even probably let him allow to try to say that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, uh, now that we thanked everybody, why don't we talk about, like, what's coming up next for Pie Factory Podcast? Therapy. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, you hey, mean what we're – the topic we're going to talk about on the show. It's theater of the mind here. Uh-huh. The nine. So, yeah, we're, we're actually going to be – You see? You're stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> I just watched the movie Ed Wood again recently. In fact, oh, that's I bought such it. a good flick. I bought it on DVD recently, and um, it's like one of my all-time favorite movies that I don't own. The only other one right now is uh, Vacation. I think that's the last of my all-time favorite movies that I don't own. Ah. But, um, oh, God, that's such a great movie. It's funny. It's touching. Uh, the acting is amazing. Everybody goes on about uh, Martin Landau's portrayal yes. of Bella Lugosi. But Johnny Depp was amazing as Johnny as Depp the, was the kind of character. Yeah. Uh, all of the actors were good, and I just loved seeing Bill Murray in the movie as uh, as Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> and um, George the Animal Steel as uh, Tor Johnson was inspired casting. 
just such a great movie. And I, I keep watching the Cisco. Time for go to bed. Exactly. I was late on I, that one. Sorry. Oh, well. And I keep watching that, the Siskel and Ebert review of the movie Ed Wood. And they're like, this is one of the year's very best films. And I, my, such a great movie. Uh, it did, obviously it was a it was a Hollywood adaptation of a of a of a person's life, so it wasn't accurate. The reason yeah. why Ed Wo- Ed Wood's uh, girlfriend left him wasn't because of uh, his cross dressing, is because Ed Wood apparently was a raging alcoholic. Oh yeah, yeah. So they uh, kind of whitewashed the movie As again, again, just like Hollywood does. But uh, such a great movie though. It was actually really kind of inspiring in a way too. But, uh, it is a yeah. great flick. Go so what, what are we get, what are we going to talk about for uh, episode one twenty coming up well, next month? We're going to do one of our famous special episodes. We haven't Ooh. done one in a while. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, and uh, we're not going off topic, but it's still going to be different. It's still going to be different, and uh, the topic is ten games that we would have in our home arcade. All right, let's establish some rules right now. No uh, play choice ten. Okay, no play choice ten. That's fair enough. That's kind I, of cheating. Yeah, um, are we allowed to have this uh, to have uh, some of the same games as the other person? You know what? It's not a draft, so okay. yeah, sure, why not? Cool. It's kind of like how, again, speaking about Siskel and Ebert, they would do like a year-end show, uh, both one about the best movies of the previous year, one about the worst movies, and quite frequently they would say the same movies. Hmm. They just uh, hello. Yeah, finish, finish, finish your sentence that I interrupted. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Oh, okay. And I think we should just work under the belief that maintenance and upkeep and that, well, same thing, really, is not an issue. That we, yes. we always have an easy way to maintain them, that George Spinos will come over whenever we want. So, so at any rate, that's it. That's all yeah. we're doing. We're done for tonight. We'll yeah. talk to you in about a month's time, give or take. And, uh, I don't know. Keep your feet in the clouds and keep reaching for the stars. Take it on a ferry ride. Yeah, there we are. Bye. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. Make it. Make it in Rockford. Make it. Make it now. Make it. Make it in Rockford. Make it. Make it proud. Come on, make it. Make it in Rockford. Make it. We'll show you how. Make it, make it in Rockford Sing it, sing it loud It's a good place to work and play We'll help each other find the way So stand up, be counted now Come on, be
Mmm, pie.